perfect. All right, guys. So um, today, our lesson is titled The Reward of Trust, or um, another way you can put it is The Reward of Faith, a, b- a better way to explain it. And I think oftentimes um, when we have like building up trust in our relationships in our life can be something very strange to us, right? Because when you think about trust, you think, I think about it like a glass full of marbles, right? Is that people do things in our lives one by one, right? And they build trust and it becomes this nice big jar of trust, right? Um, but the thing about trust that can be um, hard is that you can lose it all in one day with people. You have people, um, you build the jar of trust this high, right? One little event at a time, right? Little things that matter to us that, that we think are worthy of, okay, I'm giving them a little more trust. It's subconscious, we just do it naturally. And one day it's this nice big jar. But it's crazy how one event, one little event can just toss the jar over and spill all the trust that you've built, right? And so the coolest thing about God is that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever, right? And so when we think about trust, it's like, it's a, when we put our trust in God, it's a totally different ball game because we're not, we're not playing this, like, um, this empty jar game, right, where it can fall and tip over. But it still kind of works the same way in building it, in us trusting God, right? Because God does one little thing after another in our life, we see him come through in this way. We see him come through in that way, right? And especially learning about his grace, you realize and you're able to see how he has come through in contrast, right? And so um, today we're going to go through a little bit of like a picture. I'm going to try to paint a, a clear picture of there's a reward for trusting God, okay? There's rewards in your life for trusting God. We're not saying that you can earn something from God. You can, oh, like you can earn um, his grace or you can earn his love and affection or you can earn. No, there's just something that comes with, comes with trusting God, right? It's like if you have faith that he can heal you and he heals you, the reward is that you're healed. Does that make sense? So if you have faith in God that he can heal you and you're healed, the reward is the healing. So that would be like a reward of faith, right? So we're not saying you can earn your healing. We're saying is that now that you're healed, right? If you're healed, what can you do with your life now? What things can you do? Let's just say you were missing a a leg and God healed your leg as an example, right? What could you do with your life that you couldn't do before? the many things that you can do, and that's the reward. Those are the rewards of trusting God. Is it when he comes through, right, for us? Is it our life is affected and impacted in a positive way, and there's benefits, right, to having trusted him with what he said he could do? Amen? And so that's kind of like where we're starting, but um, let's come back to a picture of you got, you have, Adam and Eve, right? And you see them there in the garden. They, they, they commit sin, they fall, and then God is announcing the curses that are going to come as a result of their falling, 
right? And the result of their sin. And one of those curses is toward the snake, the snake who made Eve fall. And he says, the seed of the woman would bruise your head, right? The seed of the woman would bruise the head, okay, of the serpent. But here's the, here's the kicker is that this is not just like a, a woman. A woman doesn't have seed, right? A man has a seed, gives it to the woman. But here, in, in, this, in this positioning, it's claiming that a woman would have sole possession over the seed. And that's a prophecy for the virgin birth, right? But the devil doesn't know that in detail or exactly how that's going to happen, right? He doesn't understand that. He's not all-knowing. He's not omniscient. He's not... But he's there hearing that he's cursed to go on his belly and that something one day is going to bruise his head, right? We understand that to be Christ, right? Virgin birth, you have Jesus Christ. But he doesn't know that. He's not all-knowing, mind you, okay? So the devil throughout time and history has targeted people that could potentially be like a Messiah, okay? This is why some Jews believe there's many messiahs, there's many, many, many um, Jesuses, right? There, there could be. But in reality, um, it's seed. Singular, not plural. So seed, it's one seed. And so today we're going to talk about Moses, okay? And so there's an assumption here that Joseph is dead in Egypt, right? Joseph in the Bible, he's dead in Egypt. So what happens from Joseph? The children of Israel end up going into slavery. Okay, so we're going to read Exodus 2, right? But note, note, note this, note this. The devil is looking for a Messiah. The devil is looking for a deliverer, okay? So I want to put this in, in, into a picture that's clear for all of us to see, but just know this. The devil is, is looking for the thing, the person it's going to destroy and bruise his head, right? He's looking for it. And throughout time, you see him thinking, well, look at the persecution that Joseph went through, right? Maybe it's him. Maybe he's the Messiah, right? He has the coat of many colors, the favor of his father. He's from the lineage of Abraham, right? Maybe it's him. And you see all the turmoil he goes through, right? And you see how... Um, one thing about Joseph that you'll see outside of his childhood is that you never really see, out of every other person in the Bible, you never really see him sin. You never really see him be accused of sin or being a, a man of fault, right? So to see him go from, from being a child of kind of naive and outspoken about, about his dreams and visions to being an adult, right, where he's second in command of all of Egypt to then dying, right? and then leaving all his people in Egypt. And that's where we're gonna pick up the story and uh, we're gonna learn some, I think, some really cool things about um, the reward. There's there, there being a reward for trusting God, right? So, um, Exodus 1.1. 1, 1. And it says, now these are the, oh sorry, not Exodus 1.1, 1, 1. Exodus, um, write it down okay verse 8 sorry 1 8 
Now there arose up a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. Okay. And he said unto his people, Behold, the people of the children of Israel are more mightier than we. Come on, let us deal wisely with them, let, lest they multiply. And it come to pass that where they falleth out any war, them join also unto our enemies and fight against us, and so get them up out of the land. Therefore they did not set over them task so therefore they did set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens, and they built for Pharaoh treasure cities, Phithom and Ramses. So I'm gonna stop right there really quick. You're gonna notice something interesting is that they're afraid of, of the people of God, right? They're afraid of them. So they wanna bring them into bondage. They wanna make them feel less than, right? Now because they're afraid of them, they want to make them slaves. And then this is the this is the the kicker is that if there's any war, let us make sure they're enslaved now, just in case if there's a war, they'll join to our enemies and they'll become a part of their camp and then fight against us. Right? So then it also says here that they built cities, Phytham and Ramses. Now here, these are historical cities. These are historical monuments in time, right? So this is how the dating of the Bible begins to work, right? As far as its accuracy and its recording some of history, because you get to see the time of Joseph and then it matches up with the time of Ramses and the city of Ramses. And so you're, you're kind of able to really get a good picture in a timestamp in this story of where things are happening, right? So then, um, verse 12, but, they, but the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew, and they were grieved because of the children of Israel. And it's like God, right? See, this is the thing, is the people of God are to be, when we're afflicted, we grow more. We grow more because it's like God to take, right, darkness and bring light into it. It demonstrates who he is. The gap between our suffering and our victory rep represents God. So if you see a, a defeat in your life, if you see struggle in your life, if you see things that are not going your way, the cool part here is that God, when that victory comes, he is the gap. This is why we say it's in Jesus, right? It's not just a concept that like, okay, it's in just in Jesus as a, as a name or a person. No, no, no. He really fills the gap. He is the solution, the true solution to the difference between our, 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 our direness and our struggle and our battles, right? To our victory, to our winning, to our overcoming, to coming out on, on, on top, right? This is why we're conquer church, because we believe not only are we conquerors, but we're more than that. What's more than a conqueror, right? There's not much in history that we could say is more than a conqueror, except a believer. A believer is more than a conqueror. Well... It's powerful, right? So, um, and the Egyptians made, verse 13, the children of Israel to serve with rigor, and they made their lives bitter with hard bondage in mortar and in brick and in all manner of service in the field. All their service where they made them to serve was with rigor. And now the king of Egypt spake to the Hebrews' midwives, of which the name of one was uh, Sifra, and the other name is Fu, Fu, Fu. It's foo, like it's a foo. It's P, but it's like you're not saying the P. 
and the name of the other. And he said, where do you, um, and he said, when you do the office of a midwife to the Hebrew woman and see them upon the stools, if it be a son, then you shall kill them. But if it be a daughter, then she shall live. Okay. So here's the first time. So we go to the times of Jesus, right? Um, King Herod issues a decree. Um, there's supposed to be, there's supposed to be a king, right? That comes from Israel, from the line of David. And King Herod hears about it, doesn't want anyone stepping on his toes, right? And so since he doesn't want anyone stepping on his toes, he decides, I'm going to kill all the firstborn males, all the, all the ones who could, from a technicality standpoint, from a cultural standpoint, become king, right? And so since they're going to take out anyone who could, from a cultural standpoint, become king, this is what happens in the time of Jesus, right? But that wasn't, that didn't start there. You see how Satan almost had the same plan for Jesus that he had for Moses, right? So you see Moses under the same, he's about to be born, okay? But you're going to see him come under the same kind of attack that Jesus came under when he was brought into the world. And so... Verse 17. But the midwives feared God and did not as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the men, children alive. So, the Hebrew women were commanded by Pharaoh to do what? To kill the babies. Okay? But, the midwives feared God and they didn't do as Pharaoh commanded. So they were told to kill the babies. They didn't do it. Okay. Remember, they're, they're slaves. The Hebrews are slaves, right? Verse 18. And the king of Egypt called for the midwives and said unto them, Why have you done this thing and have saved the men, children, alive? So he's asking like, why did you guys not listen to me? I told you to kill the babies, all the boys, take them out. But you didn't listen to me, right? And we know this is, a, this is an attack, is that we, we really understand is that Joseph wasn't the Messiah. The children of Israel are in bondage, right? They're in bondage. So the devil knows that he brought them into bondage. He's attacking the people of God, right? He's inspiring situations and scenarios to bring them into bondage. But then what happens? Okay, there's a... There's a, there's a release. There's something here that's really special that begins to happen. And I, I kind of want to paint this picture. Okay. Um... So, what ends up happening is what? They trying to kill the babies. The midwives don't do it. Then he says, But the midwives feared God and did not as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved them, saved the men, children alive. So they didn't do it. 
But I want to kind of go back just real quick because I'm trying to you know, keep on the same train of thought as you. They're in bondage. Okay. So the thing is the devil is smart. He's smart. But he, he's not all-knowing. So he knows if they're all in bondage, there must be a deliverer coming. You could kind of almost argue that the devil put them in bondage on purpose to provoke God to send a deliverer so he can get rid of him. Right? We won't give him too much credit. But again, he's here to still kill and destroy. And specifically, he wants to destroy the Messiah. Right? Does that make sense? So, now, now coming back to this, is that in verse 18, And the king of Egypt called for the midwives and said unto them, Why have you done this thing and have saved the men children alive? And the midwife said unto Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not as the Egyptian women, for they are lively and are deliver, delivered. Era, the midwives, come into them. Therefore God dealt with the midwives, and the people multiplied and waxed very mighty. Okay? And it came to pass, because the midwives feared God, that he made them houses. He made them houses. So when you, when you see that he dealt with them, it's kind of first assumption, an assumption that he, he wiped them out too, right? He took their lives for disobeying him. Okay? But in verse 21, here's something. Pharaoh builds them houses because they fear God. When their lives should be executed for disobeying. You don't disobey Pharaoh and get away with it, right? They're, they have these Egyptians in bondage, in servitude, right? They have them in bondage and in servitude to the point of they're so oppressed that they're kind of reactionary, right? Do whatever Pharaoh says. Do whatever Pharaoh says. But God, in his wisdom, ends up rewarding the midwives, okay? He rewards the midwives with houses from Pharaoh because they fear God, okay? Now, understand this. There's no law of Moses yet, right? There's no law of Moses. Moses is not born. So there's no law saying that if they, if they kill the babies, right, if they do as Pharaoh commanded, that they're going to be judged or persecuted or, or, or by God himself, right? They're not, they're not under that instruction where they have commandments that say, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal. But we see them still here acting with high morality, right? Because when you're of the faith of Christ, Galatians says um, um, that we're going to have the fruit of the Spirit, right? The meekness, joy, love, long-suffering, temperance against such. Guess what? There's no law. There's no law. So they weren't under law, so they were actually more fruitful. They were fruitful with good morale in a time where they were tested to take out these children right, on behalf of Pharaoh, and they wouldn't do it. And so because they, because they honored God, they were rewarded with houses by Pharaoh, which is contrary to the stories, like lining, right? The, the lining is they're, they're slaves, they're, they're, they're under service with rigor, they have taskmasters, right? But they end up being rewarded because they trusted God when they did the right thing and they trusted God 
in doing the right thing than what happened. There was this beautiful outcome where they ended up with houses instead of death, right? Because they honored God. And this wasn't from a sense of like, this wasn't from a sense of, of just trying to earn favor with God. This was because they had favor with God, right? There was a, a, an accumulation of women who feared God, who had the faith of Abraham, right? They had the faith of Abraham and it was able to empower them to make these kind of decisions that could cost them their life. That could, in that time, cost them their life. Okay. So, um, let's jump down to verse um, 20. Therefore God dealt with the midwives and the people multiplied and waxed very mighty. And it came to pass, because the midwives feared God, that he made them houses. And Pharaoh charged all his people, saying, Every son that is born ye shall cast into the river, and every daughter ye shall save alive. Okay. So, remember, this is for the purpose of like crowd control, right? People control. So, let's get into the story of Moses now. So you're gonna notice something cool. And there went a man of the house of Levi, chapter two, verse one, and took to wife a daughter of Levi. And the woman conceived and bare him a son. And when she saw him that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. So she knew. Okay, she knew from looking at him that he was a goodly child. There was something special about him, right? From the moment he came into the world. But she hid him because, or else he would perish as well. Because they were taking the kids, right? They, were, they told the Egyptians to take the kids because the midwives wouldn't do it, right? So Pharaoh had respect that the midwives would honor God, but he, had, he still wanted the children destroyed, right? And so here's... Here's where things get interesting. And when she could no longer hide him, she took for him an ark of brushels. Okay, this same word ark, the same word ark comes from the same word ark in the story of Noah. Okay. There's no there's no historical recording that they were recording their history from Noah, from Adam, from Abraham, right? There's there's no recorded history that they recorded their history except for the fact that everything was told by mouth right they would recite their history to their children the Jews were the most well kept best at recording history the best history recorders of pretty much all time look what we have in the Bible right so you see them her understanding is that it's it's acknowledging that maybe hey here's they're building an ark and it's kind of the same type of situation you know what i mean for the same reason they're about to put the baby in the water you'll see right now why and when she can no longer um, hide him she took from him an ark of brushels and dabbed it with the slime and pitch and put the child therein and she laid it in the flags by the river bank by the river's brink and the, and his sister stood afar off to wit um, what would be done to him and the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river and her maidens walked along by the riverside and when she saw the ark among the flags she sent her maid to fetch it okay and when she had opened it she saw the child and behold the babe wept and she had compassion on him and said this is one of the Hebrews children okay so we, we understand here is that Moses was circumcised 
that they were still holding the covenant of Abraham and they circumcised him. That's how they knew. He, how else would you know, right? No one else was doing circumcision the way the Jews were. It made them unique and special. So you knew, you look at a baby naked and you see he's circumcised, you know that he is a Jew. But check this out. This is the river Nile, okay? This river is the river Nile. And I'm gonna give you some context about this river. This river is known for some of the most ferocious crocodiles in the history of the world. These crocodiles are man-eating crocodiles, okay? So they're putting a baby with the same level of trust that Noah built the ark with. She built a little ark for her baby, right? Put him in the middle of a river, okay, with crocodiles. In trust, in faith, right? That something good would be made from the situation. Okay? So the baby floats on, ends up where there's no crocodiles, obviously, because Pharaoh's daughter is Pharaoh's daughter. Guess what? She's bathing in the Nile. What does that mean? That means they cleared it from crocodiles. You're having slaves come and they're going to make sure that she's not eaten by a crocodile, right? And so. Let's keep reading because it gets just more interesting, right? Um, verse 6, and when she had opened it, she saw the child and behold, the babe wept. She had compassion on him and said, this is one of the Hebrews' children. And said, his, um, and said his sister to Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and call to thee a nurse of the Hebrew woman? And she may nurse the child for thee. And the Pharaoh's daughter said to her, go. And the maid went and called the child's mother. And... and Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, Take this child away and nurse it for me, and I will give thee thy wages. And the woman took the child and nursed it. And the child grew, and she brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter and became her son. And she called his name Moses, and she said, Because I drew him out of the water. Okay? So she names him. But here's, here's the beautiful part. Okay? She puts the baby in the water. She puts the baby in the water. She's, she's under one of the most stressful situations, right, that you could probably be in as a human. Is that you have to. Your baby is going to be taken from you and murdered. Because just because he's a boy, right? So the baby's going to be taken and murdered. And they're in this place now where it's like, wow. What do we do? We don't know what to do. You've ever been in a situation where you just don't know what to do, right? Financially, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, you just don't know what to do, okay? But she knew, okay? I'm gonna trust God on this. And I'm gonna put this baby in a river with crocodiles and trust that he'll make it. Man-eating crocodiles. Okay. Baby finds its way. Not only does baby find its way, because of their trust in God. She did it in trust. The Bible's acknowledging she did it in trust, right? And so there's an awareness we have to have. We don't just do things, we do things in trust, in awareness that we're trusting God, right? It's not, I'm not just going to do things in hope. I'm going to do things in trust that God will work it out. So they made their decisions, right? Then. Here's, here's, the, here's the, the kind of the ending point. Is 
They call the child's very own mother, very own mother, to come take care of her child, okay? Pay her wages to take care of her own child. So here's the kicker. She now gets to teach the baby their history. She now gets to mother her own child because she trusted God in a situation where she would have never, under any circumstance, been able. She would have never been able to see her child again in any other circumstance. But because she trusted God, she got to see her baby, right? She had somewhere to stay. She became instant, instantly a part of royalty, right? She got to raise her baby in royalty, taken care of, right? And then she gets wages. She gets paid to take, I mean, women would love to get paid to take care of their children, right? But she got paid. You're talking about being in a dire situation. And because she trusted God, she was completely rewarded for her trust in God. And so that's, that's kind of what we're talking about today is that God is so beautiful in how he does things. Is that when you're in a bad situation and you decide to trust God, right? The outcome will bear many fruit, many fruits of, of a reward. And that's what I'm, I'm really here today to get that, that message across. Is that whatever circumstance, whatever situation, whatever challenge you're in, right? Because of the grace of God, because of what we have in Jesus, we have much more. We have much more in Jesus. See, I'm telling you this story because it's in Moses, right? But what we have is after the cross, okay? So what we have is much more. When we put our trust in Jesus... Remember I talked about that jar in the beginning, right? Is it, if you read the Bible, you can learn, go through the stories and find more reasons to trust him. This is why we want you to study the word. This is why we want you to come to Bible study. This is why we want you to just keep coming, right? Because as we go through, it's so beautiful because we get to find another reason, book of Numbers to trust him, book of Judges to trust him. Right? Book of Samuel to trust him. Second Samuel to trust him. Job to trust him. Right? Isaiah to trust him. Matthew to trust him. Corinthians to trust him. It's the it's the it's the, the lexicon, right? To trust him. <laughs> and we go through this conversation about what is this all about? What is the Bible all about? It's all about God's consistency in man's ability to trust him is that God is so consistent with delivering, with helping, with overcoming, with, 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 with getting us out of our pickles that we get ourselves in sometimes, right? Is that when we put our trust in him in these dire situations, maybe not so dire sometimes too, right? Depends what we want to trust him for. And I'm telling you, trust him with your life, trust him with everything, trust him with, with every aspect of your life, whether big or small. But to put it, to put it, in a nutshell, there's rewards for trusting him. If you trust God to heal you, like I told you from the beginning, right? 
from a from a you have a you're missing a leg and God heals your leg and you grow a leg, right? God can do these kind of things, amen. There's a reward for trusting him because now like a scenario would be if your leg grew and you were able to run, right? And accomplish things with your life that you never thought you would be able to do. All that is a reward from then on. Because you trusted God that he was a healer and he healed you. You trusted God that he was a forgiver of sin and he forgave you. You trusted God that he loved you, right? Therefore, you stopped being insecure. You, you overcame the insecurity of feeling like no one loves you. And then you overcame and then that, the fruit of that is the reward, right? It's the reward of the righteous, which we don't deserve, but we get because of Jesus. So you see the devil trying to kill Moses, thinking he's Messiah, trying to take him out, right? Doesn't take him out. He lives. He lives. And it's a type and shadow, again, of Jesus, right? You, you see the Herod. This is the real thing. This is a shadow. This is the real thing, right? Moses was involved with Passover. Jesus was involved with Passover. It's the real thing. What Jesus did is the real thing. What happened in these stories is just a shadow, right? You see Moses gets the law on Pentecost. You see the Spirit falls on Pentecost, right? The first Pentecost is when the law came. The second Pentecost is when the Spirit came. 3,000 died under the law. 3,000 live under the Holy Spirit. 3,000 are added to the church, right? You see the typology of Moses is one of the greatest types through and through for all aspects of our faith. Through and through. I'm talking about like very, very uh, tediously. Because you're looking at the law, the, the, the offerings, the, right? All the things that came through Moses are so, like, so, um, um, how, do you, how do you put it? They're just so complex at times, right? On how uh, wood and how you put gold around the wood. And then you, you know what I mean? And then you have the, the showbread and then you have the lamp and then you have the, the chair and the seat. And you have, you know, all this, like, all this stuff and, and, and the tabernacle and, and all that is type and shadows, right? So... I want to encourage you today. I told you I wouldn't be super long today, but I want to encourage you today to trust God more than you ever have because your trust will be rewarded. There is a reward for trusting God. The reward of trusting God is the fruit, the fruit that comes from trusting God. Is that if you trust God with a situation, he'll make more out of it. You'll get more out of it than you ever thought or ever imagined. Amen? Okay, so um, let us close in prayer. And um, we're going to have worship still. So we'll have about two or three songs we're going to sing together for like Christmas. And then um, we'll take a quick second to get that set up. And then we'll kind of go from there. Okay, guys? Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you. We worship you. We honor you, God. And we just trust you, Lord. I pray right now, God, that we would be able to trust you more, God, and have the, the righteous reward, God, of trusting you, Lord. God, bless us. Help us to see clearly in this season, God, of, of any adversity that's here, God. Let us put that situation, let us put those circumstances in your hands, Lord God. And whatever, God, comes our way, God, we know that you'll make it much better on the other side, Lord. So today we trust you. We praise you. We acknowledge you. In Jesus' name, amen.